Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast, aka your holistic guide to being a wealthy woman. I'm your host, Donnie, and on this show, I talk to the dopest women experts, entrepreneurs, influencers, corporate baddies, and occasional wildcard guests while they share their wisdom from the experiences that brought them to where they are today. So let's upgrade our lives together, but more importantly, let's get wealthy. On this episode, I had the privilege of speaking with Jessica Hawks. Some of you might know her from TikTok because she has almost a million followers on that platform, but she is a coach that has built a multi-million dollar business teaching people how to become virtual assistants so that they can quit their day jobs and have the life of their dreams. And when I say life of your dreams, I mean having flexibility, the ability to work from anywhere, to create your own hours, structure your income the way you want it to be. And she was able to do this for herself. We discussed how she got into virtual assisting in the interview, but it ultimately changed her life. Now, I do have to warn you, this interview does start kind of random, if you will, (laughs) for about the first 10 minutes. We kind of forgot that we were recording and we were talking just like friends. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. It is a little unhinged, but there's so much good information inside. And she drops so many gems for anyone that is wanting to start their own coaching business. Or if you're an entrepreneur and you just need to understand how to grow your business, she gives so much good advice all throughout this episode. So y'all already know what I'm going to say. I hope you're taking notes. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. This conversation is very exciting to me because I have seen a lot of people talking about the topic that you are an expert on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people are just kind of like on the fence of like, is this played out? Is it overhyped? Is it saturated? Can you really make that much money? And so I'm just so happy to have you on the show. (laughs) So thank you for being here, Jessica. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I always love it whenever I'm able to be a guest and not the interviewer. So (laughs) I I love that. But yeah, it is funny because I feel like this whole topic is just like blown up since I would say 2020. Okay. Uh, Because before that, I feel like most people didn't even know like the true definition of what something like a virtual assistant was. We just think of like Siri, for example. Um, So yeah, it is interesting because it's kind of like an entirely new career space that's been opened the door for so many people. Yeah. um, There were so many like different things that kind of blew up around 2020, of course, because we also make money from home. And yes, I remember everyone all of a sudden was like, virtual assistant, virtual assistant. And I was like, Mm -hmm. everybody's been being a virtual assistant. So where's this coming from? I know. I know. It was crazy. 2020 was like such a pivotal year. I mean, that's the year that I started my business and so many other, is it? Yeah. Yes. It's, Uh It's just, I feel like it was, it's such a weird thing because there were so many businesses like in person and and business owners who had like brick and mortar businesses who were struggling or getting closed down or people getting laid off. And then you have like the flip side of that where there's all of these people that are starting a business online and suddenly experiencing all this success, which was just like a really weird duo to have going on at the same time. Right. No, it it was such a weird year. And Mm -hmm. I think even now – Um, I feel like we're just getting to a point where, you know, I feel like where things are starting to feel normal again, but it doesn't quite feel the same. And so, Mm -hmm. yes, it was like, 
all of a sudden everybody wanted to start their own business and they were trying to figure out what to do. And I feel like for those of us that really took advantage of it, it it did wonders for us. Like I would not be the same person if 2020 2020 hadn't happened, you know? Um, So, okay. So tell me, what'd you say? I was going to say, it's weird because it feels like things are getting back to normal in like the real world a bit. Mm -hmm. But then in the online space, it's weird because we're also used to running our businesses during the pandemic essentially. So now we're kind of having to learn how to like ride that shift of people going back to normal life and businesses in person actually being successful again, which has been weird. People being online less basically. Yes. No, that, that, see, this is like a whole thing. We're like going on a tangent, but I know <laughs> I, was, I knew it would, I knew it would happen. It always does. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was literally just thinking this the other day because I was, I was recalling how in 2020, I think I don't think it was just the fact that all of us were suddenly good at business. It was because mm-hmm. so many people were on the internet. So whether you were good or bad, it mm-hmm. was like you could just make crazy sales, right? You could just do yeah. really well and learn as you go. Now, because everything is kind of like in limbo where it's like we kind of want to go outside but we don't know what to do, but we want to be off our phone, we don't want to be on the internet. Yeah. So it's like everyone is the attention is not the the same as it used to be. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like, but also too, I feel like we're all fatigued from the level of selling that we, you know what I mean? Like on both ends being sold to, but also selling, it's like, we're all fatigued. And I know for me personally, like myself and a few other people that I know, we're all kind of just like, I don't know. We just feel a little off. Like even just running our businesses, we're just like, okay, things don't feel the same, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, it was just such a weird time. I feel the same way. And we kind of noticed that too, even with like engagement and people's interaction and the type of content we were posting, it was like, felt like we were constantly having to change things up. Um, And I, something that I've kind of noticed and talked a lot about recently is how it seems like we're focusing on or connecting a lot more with casual marketing versus everything being so put together like it was from 2020 to 2022. People are so people are tired of it. Like people are tired of seeing people have perfect brands and not showing the reality of things and having like 20 slides on their story about whatever offer they have going on. People are just, I think, really over it and see it and just mentally shut down. So that's something we've trying to been trying, we've tried to be focusing on a lot more as being much more casual in the approach. So people aren't just like, oh, another business owner trying to sell me something. Yes. Well, and honestly, too, when I think about it, I feel like 2020 put a lot of people in survival mode. And I feel Mm -hmm. like our nervous systems are just a bit drained and tired. And I feel like a lot of people are just like kind of moving to the space of like, I don't have to be an overachiever. I just need to like be comfortable and happy Mm -hmm. because I need a break. Mm -hmm. I need to recover, you know? And so I think that also, like you said, it translates into how they, you know, react to content and all this different stuff. It's like automatically off-putting because <laughs> they're like, I don't yeah. want to be sold to. I don't want to, I don't want to learn a new anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've just noticed for myself, like with storytelling, that always is just like the best thing lately. Right. All the other stuff, like it just, like the old way of selling online does not translate the same. Um, I agree. Yes. Yeah. I love okay, that you so- said that about being more like just wanting to be comfortable and not 
you know, because that's, that's like a huge, we simplified my business a lot at like the end of 2022. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my God, I can finally breathe for a second because I'm not just like, okay, what's the next launch? What are we doing next? Um, which was really nice. Cause I, I think that as it's something I was going to mention like a little bit later and I can expand on it, but you always want more. Like once you become a business owner, you're constantly searching for what's next. What can I do more? What other mm -hmm. offer can I make? And that can be exhausting. No, that reminds me of Vanessa Lau, you know, her recent transition into not do, running her business. And I remember oh, she yeah, was- Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Yes. And I remember in that, when it happened, like all my business friends were talking about it and we were all in shock, but I was like, I'm not shocked. <laughs> like I literally mm -hmm. had just gone through the same thing. You're and like, I want to do that. <laughs> no, literally. I was like, well, I, I did. <laughs> That's the thing I did. I was like, I wish that I had had the courage to share that story that she shared because right. it's like she, cause she mentioned that how it's like every year you, that's just what, what happens when you go into business and you start doing well, you keep thinking that every single year we have to do more, more, more. Yeah. And it's like, why not? Why, why, <laughs> what is the point? Right? Like if that's not really what makes sense for you, holistically, like just not, not just your business, but just your lifestyle and everything and your, your mental capacity. It's like, does that really make sense? Or why, why are we doing this? Why are we always yeah. aiming for more? Some, some businesses don't need to always be built just to have more and more and more, yeah. you know what I mean? Or to keep reaching new limits. Um, I think that's just a new concept that we need to get comfortable with. And I definitely understand the whole thing of like, wanting to generate wealth. Clearly this is the wealthy mm -hmm. women podcast, right? <laughs> like it, wealth is important, but I think that mm -hmm. we have to understand that there are other ways to generate wealth outside of just running a business and trying to make it the biggest business in the world or be the top of the top, because it's like, at, at what expense are we doing this at? You know? And, um, and it's funny yeah. because once you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm making like, let's say a million dollars a year, but because I've built up to that, now I'm paying, you know, employees like $400,000 a year. Yes. Am I actually really profiting anymore or am I just working more and <laughs> barely profiting more? That's like a weird thing to start to realize. And that's kind of one of the reasons we scaled back my business as well. Girl, I literally say this all the time. And so with my business, my previous one, um, we had grown it to be a seven-figure business and yeah. some stuff happened between me and my business partner and we just ended up not – well, I, I could have continued forward because it was – I owned all the content. I, I It was mm. all my stuff. Um, but I decided after that, I was like, I need a break. I'm not doing this. Um, but I remember – when I like walking away from that situation, I remember that out of everyone in the situation, I was the most dehumanized because everyone mm -hmm. thought, and I get it because I made it public that we did seven figures. That's my fault, whatever. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Everyone thought that I was just sitting on a bunch of money. And I was like, right. I was like, do you not know how this works? That's not how this works. Not how it works. <laughs> yeah. I've spent so much money to make this money. And yeah. the team and all the maintenance and then the taxes. It's like after you get done paying all the maintenance, oh my God. then it's the taxes. They come for you next. And it's like- the taxes kill you. They're the worst. Oh my God. Like, right. So like, who said I'm sitting around on a bunch of money? Please, whoever told you that lied because that's not yeah. how this works. 
at all. It's funny because you think like before you start a business, I remember even like six figures, I was like, Oh my god! Like I, if if I had just had a million dollars handed to me right now, I would be like set, good to go. And then you start a business, and you're like, a million dollars isn't really that much money. Whenever you take all things into consideration, which sounds like it sounds out of touch to even say that, but when you're in this position of running a business and having your bills and having a team and having all of this stuff, seven figures isn't like that crazy. And it's nice in the online right. space because we do have less overhead, but it's still there. The expenses are still there. Exactly. And I think sometimes, especially like, you know how they always talk about lifestyle creep and business is the same thing. Like if you have those habits of lifestyle creep, you can also carry that over to your business. And it's like, you see things growing so quickly and you feel like, oh, let me hire this person. Let me do this. And it's like all these expenses just keep adding up. And then your business is almost living paycheck to paycheck (laughs) as well. And it's like not a cute situation. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah. Okay, I feel like this is like a whole Mercury retrograde conversation, honestly, because <laughs> we're in like the pre-shadow. We're like, that's episode. it. That's that's the podcast. We're going to talk no, about the this podcast. Whole <laughs> but no, we're in like the pre-shadow season of Mercury retrograde. And I'm like <laughs> laughing because we're like 12 minutes in and we haven't even gotten to the topic. I so know. This is this always how it goes it. on mine too. So it's easy to get on tangent. <laughs> No, but these are just for anyone that's listening. These are the conversations that us business owners, this is like the kind of stuff we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But anyways, so redirecting the conversation really quick back to <laughs> the virtual assistant stuff. So how, yeah. how did you get started with that? Like what made you start being a virtual assistant and then how did you transition mm-hmm. into teaching? Well, I feel like it really kind of like came out of nowhere for me. Um, I I know that there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I've heard about, you know, being a virtual assistant for years and it's been around since whatever. It just wasn't super popular, but I had never heard of it in my life. And whenever I found out about the VA world, I was working as a chiropractic assistant. So I was working around at that time, like I had moved to South Carolina. I was living by myself. I was paying all of my bills. um, And I was working like 50-ish hours a week to be able to afford my bills. And on top of that, I was also running like a vintage clothing resale business on Instagram. So that was adding an additional like 20 hours a week to what I was doing. So I was just like working, working, working. Uh, And shortly before that, I'd also went to college to uh, become a nurse. I did that for two years. And there really was no specific reason why I went for nursing. I was kind of just like, well, you know, seems like a good career. It pays well, et cetera. And the guy that I was dating at the time was like, oh, nurses are really attractive. And I was like, okay, very young and impressionable. So ended up doing that, dropped out. And I'm obviously not with that guy anymore. But um, I was just kind of like, I was very lost. Like I was, you know, I moved out of my parents' house and in with my older brother when I was 15. I moved to a different state when I was 18. And so I was just kind of very much so in a situation of never really knowing what exactly my future was going to hold for me. Um, I struggled with like a lot of family issues and um, abuse growing up. So that was usually like the center of what my family was always focused on. So I didn't grow up being prepared for like, okay, this is what your future could look like. These are the potential directions you could go. I was just like on my own pretty much. 
So I ended up going to college, dropped out, and I was still working. Um, I worked for around four years at this chiropractic office. And I actually, like, I was not in a situation where I hated my job. I hated the fact that I, like, was working 12 hours a day and was having to work so much to pay my bills and whatnot. But I really liked my boss. And I was like, well, maybe this could grow into something in the future. But then um, I had made a friend who I'm still friends with, and um, she's now an Instagram manager and educator. But I had made a friend, and whenever we were talking about what she did for work, she told me that she was a virtual assistant. And I was like, what is that? I, I had no concept of what that could even be. She told me about it, and I was like, this is literally everything that I've been looking for. I had always wanted a job where I could travel and I could – sleep in in the morning or go to an appointment in the middle of the day, like just those really small things that we take for granted once we become a business owner. But I'd always wanted something like that. And I felt like the only way to get there was to be like a YouTuber or an influencer or to just kind of stumble into a work from home job. Obviously, this was pre-COVID when work from home jobs blew up. But she told me about it and I immediately was obsessively researching it. Um, the amount that she told me she was making at the time was like incomprehensible to me. I was like, if I was making that much money and it wasn't like hindsight, it wasn't even like a crazy amount. I was like, if I was making that much money, I would be just have no problems in my life. Um, so at the time, I was making around like $2,200, taking home around $2,200 from my job. And I was paying, having to pay around like $1,400 rent for a one-bedroom apartment. So after everything was said and done with my bills and whatnot, I was like usually in the negative. I was also $20,000 in debt. So um, I began researching about the whole VA world and I stumbled across, you know, I started stumbling across coaches, um, a couple of different coaches and other people who were doing it. And I was starting to see them. There was about a six-month span between when I found out about the space and then when, before I actually signed up for a program to teach me how to do it. And during those six months, I was doing as much research as I could, but I was still really scared to leave my corporate job and put myself out there into this unknown thing. But I was watching other people on Instagram do exactly what I wanted to do. I was watching them go from being in a nine-to-five to making their first post, to getting their first client, to becoming booked out, to quitting their nine to five, to making 5K months, 10K months, et cetera. And it got to the point where I was like, if they can do this, why can I not do this? Like what would, what would prevent me from being able to do this? I know I'm a hard worker. I know that I have the tenacity to figure it out. And so that's when I, I got to the point where I was like, I just need to sign up for a program to teach me how to do this because I need the accountability. I need someone to tell me A to Z how to do it. And, you know, it was a really scary investment for me. I had never invested in myself in that way or spent that much money at one time. I didn't even have the money. I had to put it on two separate credit cards. But I was like, if I spend, you know, this amount on this program and then I end up making even $5,000 a month, a couple months after this, it's going to be so worth it. And I also was at that crossroads that I think many people reach where it's like, okay, I can either keep doing what I'm doing now and stay in my comfort zone and be unhappy. And six months from now, every six months after that, look back and be like, where would I be right now if I had just started back then? Or I could go for it, see what happens and potentially change my life and went with the second option and it did completely change my life. 
Wow. Okay. There are so many things that you just mentioned that I want to touch on, but that's, I feel like that story is so relatable because even myself, Mm -hmm. as you were saying that, I was like, oh, wait, I was in a similar spot. (laughs) You know, know, it's it's so hard to like put it encapsulated into one story, but yeah, yeah. no, that, that is very similar to what happened to me. And um, you just get to this point where you're just like, this cannot be my life. Like I just refuse yes. to keep living life like this, especially with how yeah. young you were. And I was, you know, at a similar age at that time, I think we were around the same age. And so I was like, at that time, I was just like, I can't, like, I'm not going to sit here. Like mm-hmm. I, I already, you know, I just started my adult life, but I feel like this can't be it. Like I can't, I can't do this, you know, yeah. and I have Start to make getting things away with yourself. Yes. You're like, come on. Yes, you're getting annoyed with yourself. Yeah. And you're like tired. And it's like, I got to the point where I was tired of my own excuses. I was tired of ex- complaining. Like, it's just like, no, we're not doing this anymore. And I love that. I love that you were able to like, and that's what it takes normally is the being in proximity with somebody that is doing whatever it is we're supposed to do next. Like that is when mm-hmm. things start shifting. And that's why I always mm-hmm. say like, it is so important that you are very careful about who you spend your time with because things like that can happen or the opposite can happen and it can go totally south, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can be influenced to do something else. So shout out to your friend because she's the goat. I I don't know where I would be if I had not found out about this space. That's for sure. I mean, probably at a job making $20 an hour or I've gone to college for something I didn't actually care to go for. I just can't even imagine I feel you, girl. I feel you. Okay, so <laughs> you mentioned like with um, being a virtual assistant, you can, of course, travel and, you know, have mm-hmm. flexibility to do whatever whenever you need to. Uh, but what mm-hmm. are some of the other benefits of like being a VA versus other businesses that you could pick up? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things whenever you're initially going into it is the amount of of low of the the low amount of overhead that you have compared to the profit that you can make in the beginning because with businesses I mean it really obviously depends on what route you're going but if you're going product based then you're going to have to spend the money up front to order your stock and to get started and run ads and all of these things if you're even like right now I'm in the process of trying to like I started this new hobby of like posting home decor and I want to make a blog and, you know, potentially earn income from that in the future. But it's a slow build. Like it takes time to build those things up before you start seeing the the revenue come in. Mm-hmm. With being a VA, I, you know, I you, you have your initial investment if you do sign up for something like a program, obviously. Um, but I signed up for that program, put it on two different credit cards. And then within four months, I was making $9,000 a month. And then yeah, it just grew right. from there. So, I mean, the amount, like the the fact that I, I mean, I know I had made my investment back from that program within like 10 weeks, if, if that. Yeah. So the fact that you can invest in that way and then immediately get a return on your investment that's so much higher within six months, a year is really difficult to find in other businesses. And then Along with that, you could also start for free. Like at this point in 2023, it was, I would say it was definitely harder when I first started to start for free because I was finding all of these 
blogs and things on Google and a lot of like outdated information that were kind of putting like a cap on what VAs could make. If you Google it, a lot of websites say like between $12 and $18 an hour or something like that. I started at $30 an hour and I attribute that to having like a really strong foundation and learning how to market myself and learning how to set myself apart. Um, But, you know, at this point in time, like though I struggled a lot to put the pieces of the puzzle together and it is still difficult to do that, there's a lot more free information out there. I have like 15 hours of free Q&A videos on my Instagram. I have a blog. I have emails that I send out. There's, There's way more access to information on how to get started and at least what those first steps are. And along with that, there's even more like low ticket offers. Like I have a masterclass with um, actually the girl that I originally took her program. We started a business together and created a masterclass that's less than $200 that teaches everyone like the basics of exactly the steps you need to get started. So you can get your business going for a really, really, really low amount. And then once you start making money, which can happen in a few weeks, then you can reinvest that back into your business and just keep growing from there. So I think I would say that the the biggest thing is the accessibility to it and the low overhead is what makes it stand out. And I think a lot of people use it to kind of fuel other businesses in the future. Like that's kind of what I'm doing now with like the home decor business that I want to start using my business that I originally started my VA business and now my coaching business to kind of fuel investments for that and branding and paying for those Mm -hmm. things. I love that. Yeah. I, so (laughs) as you were saying that I, it reminded me that, um, my old VA, I believe it was your masterclass because she came to me and she was like, I want to take this masterclass. I wanted to see, you you know, and I was like, oh yeah. And I like gave her the money or whatever, (laughs) but it was because I remember her showing me and it was like two girls or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was probably us. I was like, okay, yeah, girl, whatever. (laughs) Uh, It's hilarious. Yeah. We've had like, I think we've had at this point over like 6,500 students in that specific class since 2020. Um, And yeah, it's really cool. I think that like as obviously as the business space grows, there's more and more resources. And Mm -hmm. I think it is difficult. It's difficult to find resources for starting something like a product-based business um, or at least something that truly teaches you like A to Z or even e-commerce. Like I remember when I was a VA, I was doing some research for one of my or a few of my clients on that for businesses they were starting. And it was hard. Like I was really, really struggling to find resources for that. So I think out of all of them, there's the most resources. And then once you get in this space, then you have more access through networking and through contacts that you make by building your business to be able to more easily start another business if that's what you want to do. Mm, that's so good. So I, you mentioned like that you started off by charging $30 per hour. And mm-hmm. I know this is, a, this is always the argument that people go back and forth with. And of course, you and I literally just talked yeah. about business expenses But people are always like, oh, just hire people in the Philippines. Like, that's what you should do starting off or whatever. Yeah. Um, And then also, Mm -hmm. too, that's another reason why people are always skeptical about the whole VA thing, because they're like, can I really Mm -hmm. make $45 an hour or whatever? Like, you know, so how how would someone go about charging that? But also, like, what what would be the reason that someone would choose that over hiring somebody in the Philippines? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this has been obviously talked about for years, like ever since I was, you know, I first started, I remember hearing people talk about this and 
first things first, like I don't, I mean, this may be <laughs> hot take, but I don't associate myself with people who are willing to pay someone $3 an hour, $5 an hour for work. I think that it's super unethical and I don't think it's a livable wage for anyone. And I think you're just kind of supporting an industry that takes advantage of workers. So, you know, obviously everyone has the right to go do that, but that's not something that I personally respect in any business owner or any coach or, you know, anyone who does that. But um, the other thing to consider with this is the fact that most of the time, if you are hiring, you know, um, someone from the Philippines or someone from another country or even, you know, someone in the U.S. who's charging maybe like $10 an hour, $8 an hour, you're usually finding them through sites like Upwork and Fiverr. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have had success on sites like that, but I personally am not a fan of them. I would never tell, you know, a student, I don't tell any students of mine what to or to not do. I only guide them. But, you know, you're not going to experience the success that you want using sites like that because it's so, so competitive. And whenever you're a business owner and you hire someone through something like Upwork or Fiverr and you're using this third-party platform to have be that connection point between you, you're going to lack the personal connection and the quality of work that you would get if you were hiring someone one-on-one. -on -one. Because when you're paying somebody like, let's just be honest, money motivates people. Like how much you're paying someone really does motivate them and can change the quality of work that you're receiving. So, you know, do I, would I say that like you couldn't, like if you went and paid someone $5 an hour to, you know, organize your inbox and it takes like two hours and that's just a one-off task you want to get done. Obviously, you're not going to care that much about personal connection. But when it comes to having someone in your business that is, walking side by side with you to help grow your business, when you're paying them a wage that is $30 an hour, $40 an hour, $50 an hour, you start to get way more from them in terms of not only the personal connection that you establish with them, but by you paying them that, they're able to invest in themselves and invest in their own knowledge that helps your business indirectly. So for example, you know, my social media manager, um, Courtney, like, I obviously just pay her service-based. I pay her a certain amount per month and she helps me with that. And the amount that I've been able to grow from working with her or from working with like my online business manager, I would have never been able to achieve myself in the time frame that I have or to the level that I have. Because as a business owner, you are constantly making decisions. You're constantly playing so many roles in your business when you can have someone from the outside start to offer things like strategy and marketing concepts and be in a different world than you, you're paying for that expertise in order for you to be able to set yourself apart. So because of the fact that someone like Courtney, my social media manager, is constantly in the marketing world, she's going to be able to have her eyes on things that I may not see because I'm busy with other stuff. Mm -hmm. Then she can help me brainstorm ideas to implement in my social media that's going to set me apart, that's going to draw people to me, to want to work with me. And I couldn't achieve that by paying someone you know, $5 an hour to just pump out a caption for me that they're not really invested in because I'm paying them $5 an hour. So- I think the quality of work, the type of relationship that you develop and the results that you see in your business are going to be way different because you're having people that are walking alongside you instead of you just telling them what to do. And this is something that I also noticed in my own business whenever I was a VA. 
the best, biggest thing that helped me transition from making $30 an hour to making $60 an hour and my ability to do that within four months was the fact that I on my own was starting to do a ton of research on marketing and sales and sales psychology and launching businesses and launching courses. So I was able to start to position myself more so as a strategist to my clients. So not only were they getting the help from me of actual implementation, but they were getting the help from me of creating like a map of what this launch could look like for them, what their sales setup could look like, what, what their launch could look like, what their email marketing could look like. And that's not what they're experts in. They were photographers. They were event planners, et cetera, and they were amazing at it. But their job is not to be an expert in email marketing and blogging and launching a course and e-commerce. That's my job. So that's what they were paying me for. So I think those are those are the major differences. Yes, I completely agree because <laughs> when I um when I first got my VA, like my old one, she it I just I just feel like the impact was just so great and I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah. like this is so wonderful." Yeah. But it was because of that. It was like mm-hmm. she was not the best at every little thing, but it was like what she was good at, she was good at. And so at that yeah. moment, I needed somebody that was good at operations because I was growing a big company really fast. Mm-hmm. And she was really good at that. She was like helping me yeah. put so many processes in place and, um, mm-hmm. you know, organizing different things and optimizing things. Yeah. And it was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, like things are happening right on track because, and it's yeah. literally because of her, you know? Right. And yeah. She it, filled in so many change everything. Yes. Yeah. That's like, that's huge is the filling in the holes for you so that you're not having to constantly be like, oh, did I forget something? Like having someone, you know, whenever you're just paying someone to do tasks for you, you're still having to delegate them. When you can bring someone into your business where they have that hand in your business and they're able to see things from a bird's eye view, they do. They start to see the holes. They start to see, okay, this program isn't working. Let's try this one. Or here's a new program. I think we should try it. I'll set it up. I'll do it for you. When you can have that, it's such a weight off your shoulders because you're not having to use so much of your mental energy to be doing that all the time. And you're always going to be two steps behind if you are putting your mental energy into that. But with that being said, like, I won't, I, I won't deny the fact that like, I would never advise one of my students to only do admin work and charge $50 an hour. Like, you do have to think about the hierarchy of types of tasks. That's why people usually start at a lower rate is because they're not fully experienced or aware of what they want to specialize in. So if someone's starting out, like I always tell my students, it's going to be really difficult for you to start to charge higher rates if you're only willing to do things like calendar management and data entry and you know email management because they are lower level tasks. They're still helpful, but they are lower level. That's why I always advise students to start out, you know, try different things, see what you like, and then specialize in that. For me, that was Pinterest, email marketing, and launch support. So that's what I really honed in on. And that enabled me to just focus on those things, which are higher level tasks, and then start to move into the higher rates. But if we're talking about, you know, charging for rates, it would be unreasonable to expect certain amounts for certain tasks. But $5 an hour, $3 an hour, someone in the Philippines, I think it's totally unethical. Yeah. I no, and I want to highlight what you just said and make that like 
super clear because that was going to be my question to you to clarify because I know the people listening are probably trying to figure that out. So that is the difference, okay? If you are trying to charge more, and this goes for anything, honestly, it's not just in this situation, yeah, but totally, people are not paying more because you're spending more time on something. That's not what this is about. This is about mm-hmm. your, your level of impact and your expertise. Mm-hmm. If you are able to create impact, even if you're only working a few hours for somebody, they will let yeah. you charge them way more because it impacts mm-hmm. them on a greater level. So if you are skilled in a certain area, that goes a lot further than just simply completing a task. And yeah. I think that is so important. And I've always... <laughs> I've always had this challenge when I've been hiring and there, like I will come across talent that like, okay, for instance, I don't think my best friend will mind, but my best friend, when I first met her, <laughs> um, I met her cause I hired her and I hired her to be my photographer. Right. And I was like, okay, this is gonna be great. And she did great on the first shoot. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to put you on contract. Like I want you to be a contractor. And so I told her, these are the main things I want to, you know, focus on and all that, and then give me a price. And so she gave me what I thought was kind of a high price. um, And she was not able to, I kept trying to get her to explain to me. I was like, okay, what is the value? What is the impact I'm getting Mm -hmm. from these things to justify this price? And she, I think she thought I was trying to tell her, like, I don't think that this is worth that. And it's not that. I just need you to explain to me how it is worth that. That's literally right. it. I, because I'm right. not seeing how that is going to impact me on the mm-hmm. level to pay that price. Mm-hmm. And I've had this conversation several times with many different people. And I think a lot of times, too, because it's like the moment you say you start talking about how much money you make on the Internet or the moment, like even the fact that my brand is called Wealthy Woman. I always yeah. run into these issues <laughs> of people yeah. wanting to overcharge me. Um, mm-hmm. simply because they think she has it. And the thing about oh, that they're the not worse. Yeah. Worst feeling. I, and I'm oh like, Oh my gosh, I'm not an idiot though. I don't just want the job yeah. done. I want it done well. And I want it to create great impact if I'm going to pay that mm-hmm. price. So I hope that that was helpful to anyone that's listening. That might be why you're not getting, you know, paid at the rate that you want to get paid at, or that will help you moving forward. You know, if you're trying to get into the space. Yeah. People are paying for quality. And you, I totally agree with everything you said. People pay for quality. Like if you can put the work into yourself and your business to the point where you are creating an experience for your client, no matter what you offer, that is very unique and very impressive. Like your client experience is everything. You can have a great, like I always tell my students in our final call in DCA, your aesthetic on social media is not a replacement for providing an amazing client experience. That should be your number one priority. Because if you can do that and set yourself apart, people will do anything to keep you in their business. Um, it's it's like, you know, I kind of think about the same type of situation with um, whenever I was getting my branding done. This was, you know, after I'd started coaching, so I was making more money in my business and um, I wanted to work with, you know, a specific person, but it was expensive. And I was like, do I really want to put that in, that investment in? I ended up with going with, going with someone cheaper, spent, still spent $6,000 and it was a disaster. It was a terrible experience. But then I went to this person, spent more money that I originally wanted to go to, just killed it, knocked it out of the park best client experience. And I've hired her for many more projects and I am still obsessed with my branding. 
People yeah, and will I know who you're talking you. about, and I'm obsessed with it too. She's amazing. Uh, yeah, Thank I'm you. Obsessed. Yeah, she's she's the best. She's so good. But it's like I will always come back to her, even even if I'm like, oh, this hurts me to spend this money right now. I'm like, I've had my branding for over two years, and I still love it. It's still relevant. I still get complimented on it all the time. So it was so much more worth it than spending six thousand dollars just to save a buck, and then having to go through that bad experience and I didn't even end up using it and I just lost $6,000. So if you can create that type of experience for someone else in their business, they will always, always want to keep you, always refer you to other people. That just has to be your focus. That's how you get to the higher rates because people do learn. Like I've had so many people come to me, you know, want to join my program, see the price and go somewhere else and get something cheaper then come back to me and be like, well, I just wasted $1,200 and didn't learn anything. So now I'm going to sign up for your course. Um, People pay for quality. So create quality for people and that's, that's how you grow. Yes, exactly. And I think when you step into that mindset, it's not going to be as hard for you to actually believe it because the, mm-hmm. that's, that's normally what the issue is. The people that are questioning it are normally the people that are trying to find the cheapest price and go over here yeah. and they're like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go cheaper. And then that does not work out for them. And they come right back and they go back to option A. And I'm not judging. Cause like, just like you said, you've done it before. I've definitely done it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, at that point, now I've spent way more money because I had to pay for yep. both. <laughs> just going yep. with the bigger one initially. It's you also, know? this is like a kind of side note to that, but I think it kind of ties into like us talking about, you know, hiring a cheaper VA versus whatever. But um, the unfortunate thing about like, and kind of one of my pet peeves about the coaching industry is that, you know, a lot of, um, there are a lot of amazing coaches out there. And then there are some coaches out there who, let's say, tried to be a VA, wasn't really successful. So they started coaching and just kind of like repeating information that they heard. Don't do that. Anyone who's listening, (laughs) please. (laughs) But unfortunately, what will often happen in those situations is some of those people will go and take like a lower priced course and, you know, not see the success and will go to someone like me or another coach that they know is trustable and experience amazing success. Some of those people will go to the lower price programs or coaches or whatever, not see success. And then their mind goes, well, this was a scam. This was all a scam. It doesn't work for people. So that's just also something to think about if any of you out there are listening who potentially want to start a business is um, just because, you know, there's a low quality course or coach or program out there and you don't get the experience you wanted, it doesn't mean that the entire industry would not work for you. But that's just a side tangent facts. that drives me crazy. <laughs> no, that's all. That is complete facts. And I think too, because um, th- I used to say this and I don't say it anymore because I feel like it's kind of dangerous where people are, are always like, oh, you should, you know, if you're one step ahead of somebody, then you can teach, you know, and teach them mm-hmm. how to do it too. Which, yes, on some level that is fact, but that's not the full fact. Like, I feel like the way to measure if you're ready to teach somebody is if you can sit through an hour of questions, very specific Mm -hmm. questions, going Mm -hmm. in deeper on the topic. Because if you can't, then you probably are not equipped to teach this effectively and to be able to help somebody to get from point A to point B. Because we have to realize, like, at the end of the day, most people, their work ethic is not 
there. It's not that great. And so for a lot of people, what I found is a lot of people that have found a little bit of success or or just seen a little bit of results from something, they are probably nine times out of 10, sometimes it just kind of happens. You know what I mean? For some certain people, it just kind of happens for them. Like they don't have to try super hard to see Mm -hmm. a little, you know, a little bit of results. So I just think that that is a way to kind of measure with people that you're learning from. Like Mm -hmm. if you feel like they are regurgitating the same information all the time, they don't really have extra, they can't really answer a lot of questions. That is kind of a red flag. And that's how you know that they're really not at that level to give you, you know, the feedback or the information that you need to get to, you know, your ultimate goal, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, unfortunately that is what a lot of people do because yeah, it's not like the rocket science to like take a course, learn the information and then tell it to someone else. But that's not what coaching is. Like coaching, I think is a really unique experience that I don't think a lot of people understand unless they've experienced where you aren't doing that. Like obviously there are things that are black and white, like yeah, register your business, visit like legalities, finances. There are some things that are just black and white. But whenever you're coaching students and kind of guiding them through experiences like this, you're having to take into consideration like, okay, what have I learned about this person? How are they best going to respond to this? Like, is this route the best route for them? How can I kind of cater this information to their learning style? How can I help them get to this end goal on their own with my support instead of just telling them what to do. And figuring those things out can be very emotionally and mentally taxing because you could be dealing with 40 different personality types and learning styles in one course, like one round of one course. And you're trying to figure out how to navigate that because I think the biggest, like one of the biggest goals for any coach I think should be to help their students coach them in decision-making, like coach them in how to come to conclusions about things on their own, because you're not always going to be there to hold their hand in things. So while you're obviously, you know, teaching them facts about information and making sure that your information is accurate, you also have that more like emotional, um, personality driven style of it, where you have to think like, how can I help this person understand Or how can I empower this person to make their own decisions in their business so that when this course ends, they're not left feeling like a deer in the headlights being like, oh, I can't run into Slack and ask this question like I could during these 12 weeks. So I think that that's a big focus um, that a lot of coaches should think about. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, So one of the pillars for wealthy women is just wisdom, like literally Mm -hmm. being wise. And yeah. yeah, And so with wisdom – Well, I'll say knowledge is literally just knowing like all of us, you know, we feel like, oh, if you have the knowledge, teach. Right. But being wise, I feel like that is more so where you should teach from is the place of wisdom, because being wise means that you have. And I'm literally like looking at the definition because I don't want nobody to be like, oh, that's not what I mean. Yes, this is what (laughs) I mean. You're pulling out the Webster's Dictionary on you. (laughs) Yes, it means having experience, having knowledge and good judgment. All of that together creates wisdom. And so if someone yeah. just knows something, but they don't truly have the experience, they cannot teach you at the level that you need in order to, you know, really execute things properly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that you said that, though, because I think a lot of people think that when you get into coaching, it's as simple as regurgitating information. And it's really God, not. No. And even when I started, <laughs> when I started, um, I was... 
One thing I always know about myself, I'm an Enneagram three. Okay. And that's the performers. So. Me too. <laughs> you too? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I either get, I always either get like three or eight. It flip flops okay. back and forth okay. for me. Yes. And so one thing about me, I always know is I can, I can put some words together and make something sound real good. Right. <laughs> get people, get the people going. Um, but after a while, as I matured as a coach, I realized like, this is not one, it's mentally draining because you, it's almost like being a therapist where it's like, you're not just listening to problems. You're not just saying the same answers all the time. You have, like you said, you have to consider where the person is at, what behaviors you've seen of them so far, what do they need to hear in this moment to get them to the next level? Have you said these things to them already? Okay, maybe we need to try a different approach. Can you teach it a different, you know, from a different teaching style? Like there's just so many things that you have to kind of pull out of your bag of tricks and you can't just say something really cool and make it sound all good for it to like always resonate with people. <laughs> so that, you know, everyone may not have the capacity to be a coach. And that is why I'm very weary of telling people to start courses rather than just selling like low ticket or like, um, you know, just eBooks or things that don't really require maintenance because it's a whole different ball game when you get into something where you have to show up and answer questions. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the fact that there's, I've had so many people tell me like, Oh yeah, I would never want to be a coach goes to show that not everyone is meant to be a coach. And that is totally fine. Um, because like another big struggle that I experienced that are, that I had to kind of like come into myself with as a coach was the aspect of having to be brutally honest with people. That can be really hard, especially if you're a people pleaser, especially if you like really try to be kind all the time in your words. And obviously the, it requires tact. You're not just being rude to people. But with students, there's a lot of times like, and we have all done this as business owners at one point or another, but things like imposter syndrome, things like self-sabotage, people, you know, coming to you saying, well, I'm doing this thing, but you're like, are you really doing it? And I've kind of had to learn as a coach how to be like, tactful yet brutally honest and be like, why aren't you doing this thing? Like a lot of times people won't want to tell you. It's very hard for people to be vulnerable and for students to feel vulnerable. And you have to learn how to kind of create a space where they can be and really prompt those things out of them so that you can get to the root cause of things instead of them just telling you one thing and you being like, okay, we'll do this. You really have to get to the root of things. And that requires a lot of tact, a lot of sometimes uncomfortable situations where you're having to be like, are you being honest with yourself? Like, why do you feel right. like you're not implementing this? Why do you feel scared to show up? What is holding you back? Um, and and that's, I think, a, a trait that takes only a long time to master. And you obviously get better and better at it as you start coaching, but you have to be willing to do that um, and not just be, not just sugarcoat everything to make your students feel better. A lot of people need that extra push and that raw honesty coming from you in order for them to actually be like, actually self-reflect and be like, you're right. I am self-sabotaging and this is how I can move forward. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, just to move right into the coaching conversation. Um, so mm -hmm. for those that don't know, she has built a multi-million dollar coaching business Okay. Congrats to you. Um, <laughs> <Thank> but you. <laughs> yeah. So with doing so that, what'd you say? 
I said, it's so crazy. It doesn't sound like I don't, I feel like I don't process those words when people say them or when I say them. <laughs> no, when I made my first million, I remember I was sitting there and I was like, oh, okay. And I remember the girl near me because I was like on set doing something. And this girl was like literally tearing up and I'm like sitting there like, hmm. Because <laughs> it like weird. <laughs> And she's like, do you not know. know what you just did? Like how amazing that is? And she's like crying. And I'm just like, I know how amazing it is, but I, I know. for some reason it's not registering. Like, am I, I know. <laughs> it still doesn't for me. It's like making, when you make your first six figures, like making six figures, we grow up feeling like that's crazy. Or like being told it's really hard to get to that point. And then you do it and you're like, well, that wasn't really that hard. Like it's hard, but it Literally. feels like it's not accomplishable growing up. Yeah. And then you do it in a business in a couple of years or a year and you're like, yeah. huh, you're like, well, oh, okay. probably not going to be that hard for me to reach 500,000, you know? Yeah, exactly. It just, you expand. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so with doing that, with growing mm -hmm. a multi-million dollar business, what do you feel like has been the biggest thing that has moved the needle forward for you? Like what is created all these results, you know, because a lot yeah. of people have a hard time putting the pieces together and it feels mm -hmm. very far off for people that are trying to get there. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you did? Yeah, I think the first thing was starting small. So whenever I first started and kind of um, got went viral on TikTok and had hundreds of people being like, how do I learn what you do? Um, I started small with just a guide. So I didn't directly jump into, you know, coaching or building out a program immediately because I didn't feel like that would be wise. And I'll talk about why, but um, I started small just with something that was a very low ticket offer for people that could answer all of these questions that brought value for a really low price and could at least get people started. Because at the time that I made that TikTok in like, August, September of 2020, I, or August of 2020, I was still booked out as a VA. I was also doing one-on-one -on -one strategy calls. So I was, you know, helping some people that were like interested in starting a VA business, but I was also doing one-on-one -on -one calls with people for like, um, email marketing strategy and just helping business owners in that way. So, um, that was around the time that I took on my first one-on-one -on -one student, which was, um, the Sydney who, also, I have a business with now, but I took her on as a student and that was kind of like a test run for me of like, I know that I can help this person, but it's what you realize once you start coaching is that it's really hard to put yourself back in that mentality of being a beginner. So it's really hard for you to think like, what questions did I have? When did I have these questions? What was I struggling with at certain points? So working with her, she ended up getting booked out in around six weeks. And I was able to take that information that I learned and be like, okay, this is kind of like the general timeline and order in which people need to learn things in order to really move the needle forward for themselves. From there, I teamed up with um, the girl who I had originally taken her program and we started the masterclass that I was talking about. And we ended up launching that in September because we were both working on it together and it was nice to kind of have someone who had already been an experienced coach. So we were creating that masterclass together and started that in September. And around the same time, I started, um, I got together, you know, a group of students who wanted to work with me one-on-one. -on -one, and we started around like the end of September, the first round of DCA. And this was a very, like, this was basically kind of like my beta round. 
Um, and I think that the mistake that a lot of people make is not doing something like that and just going straight into launching a program or this big course. What that beta round enabled me to do, there were no modules. It was just me every single week on calls with all of these people all of the time, teaching them exactly what they needed to do and what they needed to know. And that enabled me to get even more information of like, okay, I had forgotten about this, how like much of a struggle this was. That needs to be in this section of the course. This needs to be in this section of the course. They all seem to be struggling with mindset around like week five. So maybe we make that the focus, you know, the first week and then also kind of revisit it when people hit that wall in the middle. So having that beta round was huge for me because I was able to not only see like what are people struggling with and put myself back in that beginner mentality. But I was also able to see like, am I a good coach? Am I providing results for these people? Most of them by the end of that were completely booked out and most of them still have their businesses now. Um, some of them have been featured in like Business Insider or grown on to create multi six-figure businesses. So because of the fact that they were all experiencing such crazy growth, I was like, all right, I'm good at this. I love this. I was also still working with my, you know, VA clients at the same time. So I made it a slow transition. I didn't just throw myself into like, I'm going to transfer all my VA clients out and I'm going to, you know, just build this huge program and hope that it works out for people. So I think starting small really helped me a lot. Having different tiers of offers that kind of led into one another. So my lowest ticket offer my guide leads into the masterclass, which can lead into, you know, Digital Creatives Academy. And then from there, I would also say, you know, another big thing for me was starting to build out a team. I hired my first team member around like the end of 2020. Um, and from then, I hired another team member a couple months after that, who is now my OBM, Kaylin, who does like so much in my business. Um, but that really enabled me to actually focus on what I was doing with building out courses and having these calls with students and being fully in it. Because anytime that I start to feel this disconnect of like, feel like I'm not in Slack as much, or I feel like I didn't answer that question as quickly as I would have liked to, or I feel like I, you know, um, wasn't able to be on as many calls this round. Anytime I start to feel that, I figure out what I can eliminate in my business or what I can pass off in my business so that I can have that strong one-on-one -on -one connection with my students. Um, another thing outside of that, I think was slowly growing my platforms. So I didn't like spread myself onto every single platform from the beginning. I would start with one platform, feel really confident with it, and then move into another one. So for me, that looked like Instagram, then TikTok, then Pinterest, then, so no, sorry, Instagram, TikTok, email marketing, Pinterest, blocking. So now I'm on all of those platforms, but it was a slow build. I didn't immediately try to get on all of them because when you are doing that, you're usually going to spread yourself too thin and your marketing is not going to be effective by any means. Um, I think another big thing around that is really trying to focus on like every single round of Digital Creatives Academy. We regroup multiple times to be like, what went well and what did not? 
what really seemed to be working for people. Could we, do we need to switch around these modules? Do I need to update all of these modules? Um, do people now in the online space seem to be struggling more with content or with mindset or with marketing and really starting to shift things around so that it's updated each round according to what's happening in the online space so that they're not getting outdated information. And I think even if you have a, um, a course that is not live and it's just people buy it and they can go through it, you still need to be paying attention to that. Um, all of the courses that I offer with my um, business partner, Sydney, they're all marketing courses like Flowdesk, Pinterest, email marketing. And whenever anyone buys into those programs, they get access to lifetime updates. So any new things that come out about that platform, anything that changes, we're going to figure it out first and then let them know so that they're not left feeling like, well, I, this course was useful in 2021, but it's not anymore. So I think that that's, that's a really important factor of it as well, is always make sure making sure that you're keeping updated with things too. And then another thing that I think helped me is really investing in not only the um, for, forward-facing side of my business. So I, you know, have invested a lot of money into things like photo shoots and branding, and I didn't do that all at once. You know, that took me time to build up to. My first photo shoot was only like $300. But I've invested a lot in that side of my business because having a unique brand not only establishes a ton of authority with you, but it also really sets you apart from other people in the industry. But also on the flip side of that, investing a lot into the back end of my business. So making sure that we have SOPs in place and, you know, we have programs connected to other programs so that we're not missing emails or missing onboarding students or, you know, making that process difficult for students. So, and that's a full-time job within itself, but it's, it's super necessary to invest into both of those equally, in my opinion. You literally just dropped <laughs> so much game. And I wish I had asked oh, this at the beginning of the show so I have more time to <laughs> dissect it. But <laughs> thank you for sharing. I was like, did I just sometimes I'm like, sometimes I'm rambling and I'm like, did I just black out and talk for like 20 minutes? <laughs> it doesn't matter because that was fantastic. And anyone that's <laughs> listening to this that's coaching or wanting to do digital products or whatever, I really want you to go back and like sit and write out everything she just said because. <laughs> If I could sum up all of that for like, like for what helped me when I was coaching, I would say the same things like literally. So yeah. you have just shared so much and I hope people don't overlook that or let that go over their heads because really all of that was so such valuable information. Um, but yeah, so I, one thing I do want to touch on is the social media thing though, because you said that you jump from mm -hmm. one platform to the next, which I always say this, like, what I one there's two things I always say. One is just focus on one platform at a time and build yeah. up, you know, each one until it gets mm -hmm. momentum. But also too, mm -hmm. um, if you have been working on a certain platform for a long time and you're not seeing the results that you want, you're probably just on the wrong platform. Or even vanity yeah. metrics, just looking at the wrong metrics, you know, because for a long time I was trying to sell my coaching on Instagram and even though at that time I had the most followers on there, that was not getting me the most sales. YouTube was getting me the most sales and I had the smallest audience over there. And even now, like yeah. I don't sell as much on, on uh, Instagram. TikTok is my bread mm -hmm. and butter. Like it's, it's my mm -hmm. favorite. So for you, do you feel yeah. like TikTok really took things to the next level for you? Or do you feel like the momentum yeah. was pretty similar to what you were getting on the other platforms? 
Oh my God. It was the uh, day and night. I was getting no momentum on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. And for like my VA clients, like I was booked out when I had around like 500 followers and I started from zero. So you don't need by any means a lot of followers in order to, you know, get booked out as a service provider or even to make a lot of money in general. But I love that you said that about if a platform isn't working for you, you're probably on the wrong platform. Obviously, it's nuanced and it's different for everyone. But what I was seeing when I was thinking, like, I really want to start coaching and I really feel like I have, I have, there's a hole in the industry that I could fill. What I was seeing was all of these sales coaches being like, you need to follow this exact launching formula. You need to do this, you know, warm up at this time and do this and then warm up on your stories. And it was just, I was like, boring. Like there has to be another way to do this. And I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. And like the takeaway from this is going to be think outside of the box when you're coaching or when you're a business owner in general. But I was thinking like, I am not in my thirties. I'm not, I didn't, you know, come into the business space with a corporate degree and all this crazy experience. And, you know, I was a college dropout. I was 20 like 23 when I started my business. I, you know, had a troubled upbringing. I um, wanted to work in like the creative industry as a virtual assistant. And there were not many coaches that had a story similar to that at all, or were teaching people to work in the creative industry as a VA. And I was like, most of my audience is probably going to be younger people who are in a similar situation or kind of at that same crossroads I was. Those people aren't on Instagram looking at business coaches, like just stumbling across them, where I would have never just stumbled across that, ever. I just used Instagram to occasionally scroll. That was it. And I was like, where are these people going to be? Of course, they're going to be on TikTok. And TikTok is like, I... <laughs> Please don't ban TikTok if anyone Please. important is listening to this, but uh, <laughs> I will literally I, cry for a week if they do. Me TikTok. too. If so, I'm going to be coming to you uh, needing YouTube tips if that happens. I got you. <laughs> but um, I was like, you know, these, the, the, I love TikTok so much because TikTok has leveled the playing field for the potential to go viral. There's no other platform that you can easily go as viral or grow as quickly as as TikTok. And the thing about TikTok is that your video, I, this is kind of a common misconception that people have, your video, people kind of, we see things on our For You page and we're kind of like, how did this end up here? Like with so many likes. Every single one of your videos shows up on someone's For You page. And I could talk about the strategies behind TikTok forever, but if you can captivate people and have an interesting message and the first 10 people are like, oh shit, what is she talking about? That video is going to get sent out like crazy. That's what happened with my very first video that I made about being a VA because it's like, we're, you know, I'm 23 years old. I'm able to rent my own studio, my own office. I'm making $9,000 a month. I'm a college dropout. Like people are like, oh my God, I resonate with that. Like I would love to be doing that. And of course, there's a ton of people who are like, this is an MLM, but whatever. I don't talk to those people. <laughs> um, But there were so many people who were like, I need to be doing this. And that's like that TikTok catapulted my growth. I mean, it was absolutely obscene. I had a, I think that I had my first um, six figure month within two months of starting my TikTok. That would have no. never happened with Instagram or any other platform. No, 
Never. <laughs> like literally every, never. Every business owner should be on TikTok. But don't treat TikTok like Instagram. That's the biggest yeah. I, mistake I see Thank business you. owners making is Thank they're you. making like this long form content as if they were like typing an Instagram caption or something like that. You have to have the content that's going to bring in the audience. And that's usually more general, more trending content. And then you can go further in your video responses, things like that. But you need to figure out how can I get on here and brag about what I've done and tell people how I can change their life. And you need to do it fast, not sitting there talking about a sales funnel in a video and hoping it'll reach a million people. Thank you. I <laughs> I always say that. I feel like people that are really good at Instagram are terrible at TikTok. Like it just does not click for them. Yeah. <laughs> and they think it's the platform. They're just like, oh, TikTok doesn't work for me. No, TikTok works for everybody yeah. as long as you understand yeah. it. And it's like mm -hmm. life changing. It, I feel like all those people that are so good at Instagram, if they would just like figure out TikTok, if they would just take the time to figure it out, they yeah. would have 10x the results that they're having on Instagram. It's mm -hmm. like, because it, that's the thing. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I believe that Instagram is actually one of the hardest platforms there is. And so yeah. if you're no, really good at it, yeah, if you're mm -hmm. really good at it, that is so commendable. And so I'm like, if you're good at this, you would kill it at the other stuff, but you're yeah. not taking the time mm -hmm. to learn it because it's just so totally different. Yeah. It's, you have to like compartmentalize because there's kind of, it's like a Venn diagram where there's this middle section where there are overlapping things that you can draw on and use for both apps, yeah. but you're having to create like two sides of your brain. There's Instagram content, there's TikTok content. You can obviously cross post things, of course, but your tactics with it. But I mean, TikTok, like, God, you can film so much content and make such a crazy impact in an hour. And Literally. it's so much, once you figure it out, it is so much less time consuming and mentally consuming yes. than Instagram is. Yes. Even like captions, not having to write a long caption on TikTok. I'm like, thank God. Thank God. I mean, I can whip out content so quick. Like it is my favorite thing. I just, I'm obsessed with TikTok, honestly. Like you Me said, too. I just go on and on and on, but it's wild. It's, it's so cool. The, like how, I don't know. I just, it's, revolutionary for our like generation because there's been nothing like that. I mean, YouTube was the closest to it in its like heyday, but it's yeah. even, it's hard to go viral on YouTube now. Um, it's not, it's easier than on Instagram, but like, unless you were kind of grandfathered into Instagram and since like been growing your following since the beginning, you're not going to go viral on there. Obviously reels help. So, you know, it's a little bit different, but and it depends on what niche you're in, but especially if you're in like sales, coaching, that type of industry, it's going to be really, really, really hard for you to go viral on Instagram, yeah. if not impossible, um, unless you're using something like TikTok to aid that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I completely agree. Yeah. So I love TikTok too. I really hope it doesn't get banned. Girl, I, I just like, how are we going to survive? What are we going to do? <laughs> I was like... I was like, when I first heard about it, I was like, okay. And now every day that passes, I'm like, huh. No, exactly. Because they've threatened this before. They've even done it with Instagram. And so I was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. And then as, yeah. like you said, as time went on, I was like, wait, this really might happen. Like, no. we can't, we can't let this happen. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I'm just going to pass out. I just, I honestly don't even know. We need to send, we'll just send Congress this podcast episode. They listen to it and they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> No, exactly. 
Literally, if you want to save the economy as much as you say you do, save TikTok. (laughs) That's why I'm like, I don't know. I can't imagine like the impact that it would have. I mean, there's so many business owners that would have to pull out investments. It's going to affect the stocks. It's like it would be detrimental to millions of people. That's one of the biggest reasons why I'm like, maybe it won't happen. Um, But I guess we'll see. It's crazy. Right. I I hope we don't see any changes. That's that's what we're gonna say. We're not we're not even actually why are we even having this conversation? Because TikTok is gonna be here. That's it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're like we're that was a that. joke. This is just all this is just all an act. That was a little skit we were doing. TikTok is not getting banned. Exactly. It's not getting banned. We're manifesting it for it to stay. So yes. anyway, <laughs> it's not even why are we worried? Uh <laughs> We're just crying, like tears rolling down our cheeks. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So one more thing that I want to touch on is um, you, you, of course, have grown this huge business. And, of course, we talked about how your freedom is so important to you. So, like, what are some mm-hmm. things that you've done to structure your business um, so that you can still have the freedom that you wanted while having this huge business mm-hmm. and, like, preventing burnout? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I would say at like, I think it was the end of 2021, I hit burnout really hard because I'd just been going and going and going. And it was like three months of burnout. I mean, I was still trucking along, but I was like, just not in it mentally. Um, And then, you know, okay, let me just dive into it. With that being said, that was like kind of a, a realization moment for me of like, all right, we need to kind of look at things differently. And despite that being a realization moment, we still went into planning 2022 for the whole year. Like we just planned out the whole year at the beginning of the year. And we're like, yeah, we can do all these things. Reached the end of 2022. And we were like, dear God, what have we, like, what have we even done this whole year? Because it was just constant launching, launching, new thing, traveling, all this stuff happening. And it was so overwhelming to me. Like I, we got to the end of the year and we were like, Wow. We made it somehow. So the first change that we made was um, in 2023, we no longer plan out the entire year. So we sit down at the beginning of every quarter and plan out that quarter. I mean, we'll kind of loosely plan things like how many times do I want to launch DCA this year? Things like that. But as far as like the details of things and when things are actually happening, that is quarter to quarter now so that we can reassess and be like, has this been too much? Or can we keep going? Like, are we feeling good about it? Um, Another thing that I did, obviously, I've talked about how growing a team is so important. I grew a team. I started outsourcing. And I really try to, like, objectively look at what do I feel like excited about doing in my business? I feel excited about creating content. I feel excited about being on my stories, about, you know, um, TikTok, about being on calls with my students, Slack, things like that. So that's where I put most of my focus. And as much, as many other things as I can hand off, I do that. Um, The other thing I do is, you know, I kind of reassess like, okay, what is my team doing? Every so often we did this at the end of the, at the end of 2022 and kind of scaled down the team a little bit because I had started to feel really disconnected from my business. And this is something that I think that like, I think that feeling connected to your business still ties in with feeling freedom in your life. Um, and having that excitement and passion about what you're doing. So I kind of looked and realized one day I was like, 
sometimes I don't even know what's going on in my business because so many people are doing things for me. Right. And that made me feel really disconnected. I didn't feel like I was connecting with my audience. I felt like they could feel it. Um, and so, you know, I switched things up in terms of like now I do 95% of all my own captions and um, I'm super involved in the brainstorming part of, you know, social media. I do all the TikTok by myself. Um and it just kind of shifted things around so that I was actually – I took on more of a workload in my business, but I feel more excited about my mm. business. And that makes me feel more excited about my life. Um, something else that I've done is it started to make sure that I'm making time for hobbies because for a while I was just – full on in my business. And that's, that was great. Like that really served me for the time because I was so excited about it. And I still am excited about my business, but that was just like my main focus for, you know, years. And now like I had put off, you know, starting this like home decor page for so long because I was like, I'm busy. I have other stuff that I'm doing. I also felt like a beginner again because I was like, oh, I'm starting something new and it's embarrassing. Um, but that doing feeling. that has been, I know it's like that it's it's both it's like exciting but then on the other hand you're like I'm so cringed out by myself all over again for no reason <laughs> um but I started that and that's been a really fun like creative outlet for me and starting to learn about like a new industry and having something that I'm doing where I'm like I can just do this and I can do it knowing that I don't have to generate a ton of revenue in it right now because I'm doing that in my business and I can just do this for fun and it's going to grow faster if I'm doing having fun with it anyway. So doing that, I feel like has helped me come up with like new ideas within my own business and kind of feel excited about things and learning about another industry has been really helpful for my perspective and even strategies on my own social media. So um, I would say all of those things are really important. And I also don't, um, whenever I started my business, I very much so felt like I have to kind of stick to like the nine to five schedule. So, you know, start work earlier and I have to end my work at five o'clock. Now I put no limits on when I do or don't work, obviously within like <laughs> within being reasonable, but I don't force myself to start work super early. I usually start work around like 11 and I'll take breaks throughout the day. I'll go out and do stuff. And then I'm often like working in the evening because I just work better in the evenings. Sometimes I'm working on weekends and recording a podcast episode or something like that. I don't try to force myself to live within like a certain parameter of work hours if it doesn't feel natural to me. I don't feel guilty anymore if I do want to work on a weekend or if I do want to work in the evening. So that's been really helpful. And then I also started um, something called cycle syncing. I'm sure you've probably heard of it, but I learned about that like probably six months ago, six or seven months ago. And I was the type of person that never, ever knew when I was going to have my period. Like it was regular, but I was like, I don't know. It'll show up sometime this month. Yeah. Um, cycle syncing helped me so, so much within my business. Like I think every entrepreneur experiences like – that feeling of, man, this week I am just like so out of it and not feeling inspired, not feeling creative. I feel guilty for feeling that way. What's wrong with me? Does this mean my business is going to fail? And with cycle syncing and being able to look and be like, okay, well, I'm in this phase. So of course I'm feeling that way has really allowed me to be a lot easier on myself and to kind of like loosely plan my month according to that. Like when I'm going to be more forward facing and creating content and recording and all of these things versus when I'm going to 
give myself permission to just like not do as many, excuse me, calls and work on the back end and just, you know, be more low key with things. That's helped me a lot. Oh, that was also good. I hope everybody had something that they could take away from that because all of those habits and all of those things that she's talking about mm-hmm. really um, help with your mental health overall. Like, because oh I yeah. literally have had to go through that same experience of like mm-hmm. overdoing it, trying to get new hobbies because I didn't have any hobbies and like, yeah. you know, and just pouring yeah. into myself. So that's beautiful. I love that for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's it's a learning curve. There's always learning curves, no matter how how much money you make, no matter how successful your business is. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be those times where you're like, oop, messed that one up. Got to reevaluate things. But that's yeah. part of the fun of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So a question that I ask everybody on the show is what does it mean in, in like one sentence, what does it mean to you to be a wealthy woman? I was thinking, I was looking at this question and I was like, this is, this was something that's really, really hard for me to answer Mm -hmm. because I have in my family, like pretty much nobody really went to college. Um, I didn't grow up having a lot of examples of, you know, women who were successful or women who were guiding me or kind of, you know, mentoring me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I, I never really had that besides like one person. And you know, no, I'm the first millionaire in our my family. And it's just been a really weird experience because there's been so many times where I felt almost like undeserving of, you know, what I have. And it's hard for me to figure out exactly how I want to word this, but I think what it means to me is basically kind of being that guidance for people who don't have it or for people who feel like they're not capable of achieving something because of the way that they grew up or maybe experienced abuse or, you know, nobody in their family went to college, nobody in their family has made this much money. You can be just as scared of having a lot of money as you can be of having no money. So I think that's what it would be. I could surely put that more eloquently and that was a lot more than one sentence. But I think the root of that is, you know, trying to be that example to other people that I maybe didn't see growing up. No, that's beautiful. And I totally agree. I I think like just passing on knowledge, information, Mm -hmm. all of that is just, that's wealth and um, being an example and getting to like expose other people to things like all of that is just an example of wealth. So it's, it's, I think that a lot of us are so like grow up to be so scared of money and think that money is evil and just kind of have all these ingrained beliefs around it. But I think it's just like when you can create a lot of wealth for yourself and use it for good, like the impact that you can have is unbelievable. Like because of my business and being able to, you know, make wealth for myself, I'm able to afford things like therapy and be like a better mother in the future to my children because I'm able to have the resources to learn better than maybe my parents or, you know, my grandma or whatever didn't have. And that's something that money can provide you. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Exactly. Money is a beautiful thing. It's amazing. (laughs) It's just energy. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. 
Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Jessica. How can people find you if they want to follow you, join your programs, all that good stuff? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Um, uh, my website is www.itsjessicahawks.com. You can also find me on Instagram at itsjessicahawks.com or not, pff, not .com. Don't add the .com on Instagram. <laughs> and outside of that, that's my handle on pretty much every single social platform that's out there. I've been able to snag it somehow, but yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active these days, but yeah, I'd love to get in contact with anyone or connect with anyone who's listening. Awesome. Well, everyone, please go follow her. Please let her know that you listened to the episode and that she was really dope. And we're just so thankful that you were on here. Yeah, we'll pay. She's going to pay you to message me and say those things to me. No. <laughs> no. Also, go sign the petition in my bio to freaking not be on TikTok, please. <laughs> oh my gosh.